you guys take a look at the study sheet in front of you, we've got this introduction right here, um, right after we just did that illustration on baggage. So before we begin discussing the topic of various relationships, what the Bible says about having healthy, fruitful, godly, enjoyable, and long-lasting relationships, we must ask a very important question and set the proper context so we can see things from God's perspective. And so there's this very first thing that we have to hit. Before we go any farther into the depths of relationships, we have to cover this first. And this is actually a rule of Bible study. So at some point in our class, um, every couple years or so, we go over how to study the Bible. And this is one of the rules of Bible study that we go through. This is a very important question that we have to ask ourselves. So when faced with God's word, I want you to think about this. Are you willing to change what you believe, repent, and obey? Whatever God says, no matter how it lines up with what you think or how you feel, are you willing to change? This is something that a lot of people have a very hard time with. Because frankly, just like how the room is set up very differently, we don't like change. But change can be something that's very, very good. And so God will come face to face with us because we're not perfect. He's perfect. He's the standard. He's holy. He's without fault. We are. We are full of faults. We are full of imperfections. And so when we come face to face with God and his word, this is what's right and I am what's wrong. This is an attitude that many Christians, frankly, many people do not want to have. They're not willing to look at the mirror of God's word and say, you know what? I might be wrong. And so if you're willing to do that, then God can change things in such a way that it could revolutionize your entire life and all of your relationships. So you have to ask, are you willing Willing. Willingness is the key. Willingness is the key. Out of anything that I could ask you, that would be it. It's not about having enough strength. It's not about having enough wisdom. It's about are you willing? That's what it comes down to. And if you say, God, I'm willing, that's all he really needs to hear. And he'll help you take care of the rest. Because a lot of these relationship issues are very complicated. There are things that didn't end up in this situation, the complicated situation they're in, just overnight. It's not like something that just happened and, oh, now things are bad. No, generally these things took time to get into the position that they're in and they become very hard and very complicated. And so it's going to take time for God to work those things out. But it really begins with you. And it really can begin with your attitude towards that person, towards those people, towards those circumstances. So if you're willing to change, then God can do some amazing things with it. So in light of that, I want you to look at this paragraph because this really uncovers a lot of stuff with our own hearts. So in our spiritually deceitful time of Laodicea, that's the time that we live in now, Christians, and I use those quotes on purpose, are often interested to know, uh, to know what God has to say, but never let it truly affect the way we think and behave. There's a lot of people that want to hear what God has to say, but they don't really let those things sink down deep inside their hearts and let it change their life. And so I have you guys in Ezekiel 33, and I want you guys to see this passage because this is exactly what was going on in the nation of Israel. Their heart attitude is the same one that we struggle with today. So uh, during this time, um, they are about to head into captivity, and Ezekiel is one of the prophets that comes against them. And he speaks the truth unto them. And here's what they say. Look at verse 30. So God's speaking here in Ezekiel 33, verse 30. It says, Also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee 
by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. So these people, the Israelites, they want to hear what Ezekiel has to say, but in verse 30, at the very beginning, it says that they're talking against thee. So they're coming into a circumstance where they're hearing him, maybe even similar to like right now. Like, I don't know where you guys are at right now. I would hope that most of you are willing to hear what I have to say, but maybe you walked into this room and you're not willing. And so there's a lot of people who say, oh, I want to hear what he has to say, but not really. I'm putting on that religious show like we talked about at camp. I'm putting on that outward appearance because I want to appear as if I want to hear what he has to say, but I'm really not going to let it change my heart. That's where they're at. So verse 31, it says this, And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but here it is, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, talking about the judgment that's coming, lo, it will come, then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. And so this is really the heart of Laodicea. These are the problems that we have because it's easier for us to sit down and hear a good Bible lesson or uh, to maybe go into our discipleship relationships and hear what our disciple is saying unto us. Or maybe have a friend come up to you and say, hey, I'm just really concerned that you're not living right or the decisions that you're making. It just really concerns me. But inside, we have this rebellious heart attitude that we're not willing to let it change us because we think we have it all together and we think we have all the answers. That's Laodicea. And it's a huge problem that we have. And it's a huge problem that I have. And I've been burned by this kind of an attitude before. And so we need to learn how to let these things affect the way that we think and behave. And so we have this problem. So you have to always remember that God and the world are polar opposites. This is a basic biblical principle that you'll get as you kind of read through the Bible. That God and the world are polar opposites. Whatever God desires, the world desires the opposite. Every time. Every single time. And so... Because that's the way the world it is, the way this world system defines relationships will never be the way that God defines relationships and will never be given God's stamp of approval. So growing up in the world, you start to see how relationships work. You start to see maybe as early as how things work in your home. And maybe you come from a more dysfunctional home. And there's and honestly, just to tell you the truth, every home is slightly dysfunctional. Some have more than others. But it's mainly because, you know, it's the attitude of the parents towards God. That's really where it comes from. Because, like, for example, my dad, my dad was saved when he was 26 years old, almost 27. His parents never stepped foot in a church. They didn't know anything about God. They didn't know, they didn't know anything. They never even told each other that they loved each other. So he grew up in a house where he never heard his mom or dad say, I love you. And that trickled over into my family. Because my dad had a very hard time expressing love to me. The way that he would do that is by spending time with me. He would want to go fish with me. He would want to play catch with me in the backyard. He would want to do certain things, but I very rarely heard my dad tell me that he loved me. I heard that from my mom. And it wasn't until later that my life was an absolute wreck and an absolute mess that I actually heard for the first time that my dad loved me. Like he said that he loved me, but then I knew. Because you know, when someone says something, but then when they say it, and that's when I really, really knew it. It really broke down those walls between me and my dad that really helped me out a lot. 
and help me understand things that I didn't understand or I thought I understood about my dad. And it was a struggle growing up. I still had a really good household, and I know my dad loved me, but he just had a hard time expressing it. And he carried that over from his parents. And I can't fault him for that, but sometimes we want to. And so you have to really think about some of those things. So the way that this world handles relationships is never the way that God does. And so you have to know that going in. So if you are going into this series and you may have had issues with your family or with your friends, or uh, maybe you have dating baggage that you just handled things the wrong way and you want to do things the right way, there is always hope. No matter what context you come from, there is always hope. I know plenty of people that have chosen to refuse their own ways and the ways that they were raised and followed God's ways, and it's changed their entire family. And so just because... Some of you may come from a background or from families that might have more issues than others does not mean that you have to carry those things on. You have to identify those things and know that you, that's in you. Those things that are dysfunctional, they're in you and you have to know that about yourself and you have to choose to say, you know what, God, I don't want to be this way. I want to do things differently, but I need you to help me because sometimes when the pressure's on, those things will just start to come out already. Man, it's hot in here already. We can crack the door, but if it gets too distracting, we can shut it. All right. Okay, so the way that the world defines relationships is never the way that God defines relationships. Um, And they'll never be given God's stamp of approval. You can't follow the world's pattern for dating and expect God to be okay with it. It's just not going to work. You can't follow the world's way of friendships and expect God to be okay with it. It's just not going to work. I mean, you can try it. Some of you have. How's it worked out? No bueno. No bueno, yes. He's going to Mexico. He's practicing. All right. So based on that, let's keep going. If you're willing to believe what God has said, you must repent from your own ideas and obey the word of God. And that's hard because that means that we have to go to God and say, God, I'm I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. And that can be very hard for some people to do. It's very hard. I hate admitting my faults. But I need to. If I'm going to actually do something about it, I need to be able to admit my faults. So based on that, you've got to repent, but you've got to be warned. And that's your part there in bold. You will be met with resistance on every front, especially from your own self. And so you got to remember, God will always give you the strength, wisdom, and boldness to obey if you have a humble and submissive heart attitude. He will. He will. Man, Noah. That's okay. I know your ringtone, so I know it's you. All right. So you've got to know that. And so there's a bunch of scriptures that are in here that we don't have time to go through, but I would strongly recommend that you go back and you really chew on this paragraph because this is going to really be the foundation and the bedrock of the future studies that we go into. So knowing that you've got that problem, and if you're faced with God's word, are you willing to change what you believe and repent and obey? No matter what it is. I have found when I've been willing to do that, God has shown me things that I'm like, oh my goodness, why didn't I see that earlier? And it saved me from a lot of pain. And sometimes after the fact, I'm like, oh, that would have saved me from a lot of pain. So let's set the proper context. All right. So before we get into relationships, we've got to talk about these two things. So first of all, you've got to remember the theme of the Bible. What in the world does the theme of the Bible have to do with relationships? We'll get there. What is the theme of the Bible? Anybody know? What is the theme of the Bible? If you were to take the entire Bible and throw it into one phrase, what's the theme of the Bible? Say that again. Uh, not exactly close. Battle for the, the battle for the throne. 
if you were to boil it all down, it's the battle for the throne. It definitely deals with Jesus Christ because he sits on that throne. But it is the battle for the throne. It is the glorification of God. And who is going to get that glory? And that's why from the very beginning you had Lucifer, who is second in command out of all of God's creation, try to usurp God's authority. And he's been doing it ever since. And he's going to continue to do it. And as you read through the Bible, you start to hit books at the very end, like Revelation, where you see the Antichrist come up and try to defy Christ more than, on more than one occasion. And God has to completely wipe him out. And so you have to know that that is the theme of the entire Bible. Let's take a look at, um, let's see here. Let's look at one passage here. Go to, uh, let's see here, Acts 3. Go to Acts 3. Acts 3. So all these are great verses, but this one is probably the one that I would slap next to this answer, the battle for the throne. Acts 3. Peter's preaching. This is his second message to the Jews in Jerusalem. And he says in verse 19, Acts 3, verse 19. He says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So that times of refreshing is that future when God deals with everything once and for all. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So all his holy prophets, which is the entire Old Testament, everything that God's written about, it's all been about the restitution of all things. That those times of refreshing where Christ will come and he will finally set everything right. That is the theme of the Bible. You go all the way through, Genesis talks about it. It talks about it in, in everything. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, all the major and minor prophets, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the way through Revelation. Everything is about who is going to sit on that throne. And so here... This is important for us to understand because of this paragraph here. God created mankind to be relational creatures. I mean, that's a no-brainer. We were meant to have relationships. Even though sometimes we might be dysfunctional in those relationships, we were meant to have relationships. We all long to have deep relationships with people. So we can certainly say that he created the ability for us to have relationships for our personal benefit. But we must never forget that everything that God does and allows is for his glorification. Go to Revelation 4. Everything that God does or everything that he allows is always, the end of it is always for his glorification. For him to receive the honor and the glory. Hebrews 4. Sorry. I'm looking at my Bible and I read Hebrews. My bad. Revelation. Revelation chapter 4. Someone read 11. 411. Go ahead, Kent. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Okay, so slowly working through this verse. So he's worthy to receive glory and honor and power. And then there's a colon. Anytime you see a colon in the Bible, he's always expanding on the thought that he just laid out. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. See, I think a lot of us, when we pursue relationships, friendships, uh, dating relationships, you know, things that uh, are with our parents or siblings, we always are looking at it for our benefit, right? I mean, I think that we are. If we were to boil it all down, I think that we would say that in all of these relationships, it's always for our benefit. 
I'll give you an example. There's one kid who is my best friend. He started being my best friend in fourth grade, and we hung out, like, all the time. I mean, I spent the night at his house constantly. We went to church together, and I just loved being with him. It was just so much fun. Hanging out with him brought me pleasure, and so I loved hanging out with him. And I learned to care for him, but there came a day where he no longer found pleasure in me. And, you know, going into, and I've shared the story before, so if you've heard it, just deal with it. But he was a junior, going to be a senior, and he was always a little overweight. And we played sports and stuff together. Well, all of a sudden, he decided to exercise that entire summer going into his senior year. And he had lost like 30, 40 pounds. And he was, he was always been a good-looking kid, but he's always just been a little pudgy. And so he lost all this weight. He comes back as a senior, and all the girls are like, whoa, who is that kid? And they knew that it was Ryan, but he had lost all his weight. And so now he was way more attractive. He got a lot more attention, and he took my friendship and threw it aside. Everything that I had, that we had spent, I mean, all the hours of stupidity that we spent together playing video games and ping pong and baseball. And all of a sudden, I began to really struggle because it's like I didn't even matter to him anymore. And that really hurt me. But he no longer found pleasure in me. And I still wanted to have that friendship with him. And so the, the friendship was over. The relationship was over. And so that hurt big time. And I had to deal with that. But if I change my perspective and I start to think, no, everything that God has created is for his honor, for his pleasure. Maybe things would have been different if I would approach my friendship for God's honor, for God's glory and not my own, for his pleasure and not my own. That, I think that would change really, I think, who we're friends with in some regard. And it probably would change and you'd get rid of some friendships because you're pursuing them for your own pleasure and not really because you want to win them to the Lord. Not really because you want to evangelize, not really because you want them to be saved, but just because they like, you like how they make you feel when you hang out with them. Rather than understanding, there's more to this. There's more to this. Because I, I will tell you to this day, the best friends that I have ever had are those that have been like-minded with me when it comes to the Bible and my relationship with Jesus Christ. I have never experienced such deep, meaningful relationships as with people that have been on the same page with me spiritually that I've served with, that I've spent time with, that I have tried to even witness to together with other friends. Those have been the best relationships. This is why I've been so excited about this summer because you guys have just gone to camp, come back from camp. You guys are a lot closer than we were before camp and we need to keep that going. But you guys are now serving this week at VBS together, which you should be. And as you're serving together, you're spending more time together. And you're serving together in the work of the Lord. And then we've got 10 of you that are going to Mexico. And you're going to be serving God together then. And that's not just something brand new. We've been meeting for months leading up to this point before we leave for Mexico. And so we've spent our entire summer, portions of us, in degrees of intimacy with between everybody, serving God together. And you're starting to get to know one another better. By the end of this summer... Some of you, your best relationships should be in this room and in this church so that when you go back to school, you know that even if you're alone, like I often think of Reese because he's at Glen Oak and no one goes to Glen Oak. I mean, really. And so there's times where you're alone other than your brother, but you don't count your family. So when it comes to those sorts of things, I think about your family. I think about you guys because there are times where it's like you guys are alone and there's no one from the church that goes with you to school. But... If, through the process of serving together and being intimate in ministry together, you grow close to each other in this ministry, then when you go back to school, you aren't alone. In location, yes, but not in heart, and not in spirit, and not with the Lord. 
because you're doing the same mission that other people are doing at Jackson, the other people are doing at North Canton, the other people are doing in Manchester and Northwest and all the other places that we go. I'm sorry. Did I miss out yours? You feel bad? Okay. All right. So this is what I'm talking about because I remember back in my youth ministry and we were close, but we weren't close just because we loved hanging out together, but because we served together. We served God together and it brought us closer together. And to this day, it is, it, is, it is so devastating to me to hear about some of my friends that I served with, that I taught VBS with, that are now living like the world. And their life is trashed. Because back then, I, I would have never thought it had been that way because we served God together. But it's because they chose to not value those things anymore because God didn't give them pleasure anymore and they started doing things their own way. And it's just heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. So everything that God does and, he, and that he allows is for his glorification and for his honor. And so this means that every relationship must be a relationship that gives God honor and glory. And if it does not, then it is robbing God of, of the glory that he deserves. And that is a tough pill to swallow. And so now you need to think about it this way. How do you need to change those relationships? How do you need to switch it around? I'm not saying that you need to give up on certain people, but maybe you do because all they're doing, you're tripping up and you can't walk with God because of certain friends in your life. I don't know. But some of you can't escape your family. And sometimes those family relationships are even harder because it's day in and day out and you can't escape those certain things. You just can't. So how do you change it? How do you change your perspective in order to bring God honor and glory? Anyone got an answer for that one? Yeah. Okay. Reading and praying, but why? But why? Like, why would you read and pray, and how would that help you honor God in those relationships? Well, when you're reading and you're praying a lot, it makes you think more about God in general. Yeah. And you start thinking about His words, and then if you just align your heart with them, which easier said than done. But if you do that, and you keep reading and praying, and thinking about it when you're in those tougher circumstances. Those thoughts of God throw thoughts in your head, and it'll help almost supernaturally guide you through tougher circumstances and you'll handle things better. Yeah. It really comes with time spent with God because God can receive honor and glory from you. Like he may not be able to receive it from the other people in these other relationships, but he can receive it from you. It comes down to your perspective and your heart attitude. Because sometimes you can't change your circumstances, but you can change you. You can change your perspective. You can change your approach. You can change your heart attitude. And these are things that I wish I had people tell me and spend more time talking to me when I was your age. Because these things could radically transform everything in your life. Okay, so let's hit point number two. So we talked about the theme of the Bible, and it's always for the battle for the throne, God's glorification, so your relationships should line up with that theme of the Bible. And the number two, there are three basic relationships found in the Bible. So as you kind of scour the Bible from cover to cover, you'll find that there are three categories of relationships. The first one is God and mankind. That's the first one you find because in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, the first relationship you find is in between who? God and Adam. And then, who shows up next? Eve. And it starts off, as we'll look at in the future, we're going to look at it. It starts off with God and Eve first, not Adam and Eve. It starts off with God and Eve first. So you have God and Adam, God and Eve, and then they're able to have a relationship together. So we'll talk about that in the future weeks to come. So we got God and mankind, and God is always communicating to mankind. It's always been on his heart to communicate with us. 
And then you have relationships between man, so mankind and mankind, and that covers a whole gamut of things between uh, friends, dating, marriage, all sorts of stuff. And then you have parents and children. So those are the three basic categories that you find in the scriptures uh, straight out of Genesis, and you find those things in Genesis 1, 2, 3, and 4. And so here's the bottom line to all this. All relationships will fit somewhere into three basic rela- these, three, these three basic relationships. We must also begin this study understanding that the relationship between God and mankind is the foundation for all other relationships. If this relationship isn't right, no relationships will be right. This is so important. If your relationship with God is not right, then you cannot have Proper relationships, <laughs> this is what you get, being next door to a kid's class. Okay, so if your relationship with God is not right, there's no way that you can have good, godly friendships, dating relationships, parental child relationships, nothing. Nothing. God is always going to be your equilibrium. He's always going to be that one that brings you back into perspective. If you're in circumstances where someone really hurts you, God is the one that will be your rescuer every single time. Because like it or not, just like the video show with all the baggage and stuff, people are going to hurt you. It's a fact of life. We need to accept it, get over it, and move on. But it can be hard. So how do we move on? It's the Lord. Because you know, deep down, no matter who rejects me, guess who never rejects me? God. Jesus. Yes, the typical Sunday school Bible answer. He never leaves me or forsakes me. Never. Never. So if I am alone in this world and I have no one, That's not true. No matter what lies are stirring in my head and the vain imaginations that I might have about my circumstances, I am never alone. I have the God of the universe who loves me dearly, who died for me, who's always with me, and he's never going to leave me. So even if I'm by myself, I'm never by myself. And that is such a comfort to my heart, especially when I'm hurting or I'm having a hard time or I don't know what to do next. And so this is why your relationship with God has to be the most important relationship in your life. And a lot of people, this is the one thing they avoid. This is the one thing that they, they don't realize they need, but they need. You know, we're going through some stuff, Megan and I are, with, with some people that are in our life where, you know, you, we've got a kid who's struggling with suicide. He's having suicidal thoughts. And because of it, he's not thinking right. He's not thinking right. He, the one thing he needs is the one thing he doesn't want. And it's the one thing that will solve everything. And yet he's blind, absolutely blind to it. And I know that if, and I know God is able to do amazing things. I believe that God can open up people's eyes to things that they've never understood. And, and, I, and I, I wholeheartedly, I fully believe 2 Peter 3, 9, where it says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I believe that God does not want anyone to die and go to hell. And so no matter how hard-hearted and stubborn any person is in this world, I believe that God will do whatever it takes to open up their eyes for them to finally understand what they need. And then they have a choice of whether or not they're going to receive it or not. The scary part is, is what is it going to take with some people? That's the scary part that I don't like because it could be absolutely devastating, absolutely devastating. And I can tell you story after story after story about that. One of my favorite verses, Amos 3.3. Anyone know that one? Amos 3.3. Nope, no takers. What is it? Close. All right, very close. You were like 98% there. Let's turn there. Amos. It's in the old OT. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. 
Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. Amos 3. Verse 3. Go ahead, you can read it, Lori. Can two walk together except they be agreed? I love this one. I love this verse. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Answer. No. No, it's not impossible. Sorry. It is not possible. It is impossible. I completely screwed that one up. No, it is not possible. Can two walk together except they be agreed? It is not possible. It is not possible. Sam, you want to demonstrate? You want to help me out? Okay. All right. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Okay. So Sam is my friend. Hi, Sam. Hi, Stephen. Are you glad that you're my friend? Yeah. Okay, good. Me too. All right. So Sam and I are friends. All right. Now we are going to walk in the same direction. Which way are we going to go? This way. Okay. So I'm facing this way. Go. Come on. I really want to go this way. I really want to, no, I really want to go this way. Oh, you do? Yeah, I do. Come on. There you go. Bear down, bear down. Come on. Come on. Get prepared for football season. Yes. All right. So. All right, you can sit down. Okay. What did you see? I saw Sam winning and then he lost. Yes. And Sam is a great example of... The weak Christian. No, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> so think about that for a second. He wanted to walk that way, and I said, okay. But then what did I do? I went the other way. Okay. This happens all the time. All the time. You have Christians that say, hey, I want to walk with God. Oh, me too. <laughs> right. And then they start walking with God, and the other one goes the opposite direction. It happens all the time. All the time. Dating relationships. Same thing. Oh, I love God. Oh, okay. Let's go. No. It doesn't work out. Because what they say and what they do are two completely different things. So this is so important. Man, I'm out of breath. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so this is so important for you guys to get. Because can two walk together except they be agreed? It's not possible. So when it comes to your relationship with God, you have to be agreed with him to walk with him in order to grow. If you are not agreed with God, you can't walk in step with him. That's what it means to be his disciple. Whatever he says, that is what you do. And you trust him knowing that he knows what's best. That's the hard part that we have, is actually trusting God. But here's the reality that I've really settled in my heart a long time ago. I've tried things my way, and I've gotten burned big time. Big time. I have not trusted God, so I decided to go my own way. And the only thing that it brought was devastation, heartbreak, heartache, a lot of regret. But I learned a lot about God's grace and his mercy and his compassion. It would have been a lot better for me just to trust God early on and just done what he said. And I do not want you guys to make the same mistakes that I did. However, if you have to, then I trust that you're going to learn the same things that I did. And some of us just need to learn the hard way. And I don't like it. And there are days that it's going to make me cry for you. And I will because I hate it. But I've been there, so I get it. I completely understand it. So let's take a look at this next page real quick. So the triangle, and then we'll close here. All right, so I use this a lot with uh, counseling, especially premarital counseling. Um, But this is an illustration that applies across the board with relationships. So you've got your uh, little dude, 
Off to the left. That's you. Aw. So cute. What? Sam. Is that Sam? The weak Christian? Oh, okay. I thought he might be the question mark. <laughs> All right. So you have your little stick dude over there, and then you have the question mark. Now, the question mark could represent a whole host of people. It could be boyfriend, girlfriend. It could be friend. It could be parent. It could be whatever. Whatever the relationship might be, that represents the question mark. It could be many different things. And so you have the throne there, and that represents... Jesus. Yes, it represents God. And that is his throne. And so here's the correlation. The closer that you get to God, the theory is the closer that other person should be getting to God as long as they're pursuing God. So if you are pursuing God in your relationship with him and that other person is pursuing God in their relationship with him, then it's going to bring you closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. That's the way it should work out. However, for a lot of people, it does the opposite. And so here's the conflict. Let's say that you've made the decision in your heart that you want to grow closer to God. You've made the decision, I want to be God's. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he says. And so you start traveling up that line and you start getting closer to God's throne. What about the other person? What if they choose no? Or what if they say, I'm going to, but then their actions speak different? What happens? What? Okay. Okay. What's the tension here? You guys feel it. You guys know what I'm talking about with some of these relationship stuff. What's the tension that you feel? Okay. How? You're just stuck in a constant conflict of doing something to please that person and then doing something that you know is right to please God. Okay. So you're double-minded, completely double-minded. Because you are pursuing God, but that other person is staying put. So the closer you get to God, the farther away you get from that person. And so then you have a choice to make. Am I going to get closer to God or am I going to get closer to that person? Because if I get closer to that person, it's going to cost me my relationship with God. Not your salvation, by the way. If you're saved, the Bible says you're always saved. You can never lose that. But your fellowship with God, your ability to walk with God, it can't happen. It can't happen. So you have to choose. Who's going to win? God or that person? Or, more specifically, God or you? Because that's what it comes down to. Because those people that are in our life are generally for our own pleasure and for our own good. And so we're either choosing self over God in those circumstances. And so we're going to revisit that again and again as we go through this study. But this is really the foundation. Everything really begins with your relationship with God. If you are not saved, it's not possible for you to have good, biblical, solid, long-lasting, healthy, fruitful relationships. It's just not going to happen. People can try to paint it up as many ways as they want, but it can't happen. It can't happen. If you don't have a good relationship with God, you cannot have good relationships with people because you're going to end up being a person that ends up using people for your own honor, for your own pleasure. And that's never going to go well. Never going to go well. So if you want to really have those long-lasting, very fruitful, solid, biblical stuff that, man, when you go through the ringer, that you have someone by your side that's going to stick with you through thick and thin, then you've got to have biblical relationships. You've got to have biblical relationships. I remember back when, let's see, I was 19, and um, I was in a position where my family had left our church that we were going to at the time. My dad was the pastor. My dad decided to resign uh, through certain circumstances, which I don't have time to go into. Um, But I had a lot of people that I grew up with in that church that told me that they would call me, that they would check in on me, that they would still be my friend. And only two, 
only two people did. And those two people that said that they actually would were people that didn't even go to the church at that time because they had already left. Two people out of everyone that said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll call you. No, no, none of them did. I found out who my real friends were. And one of them I don't really hang out with that much anymore just because he's chosen to go a completely different way. But I appreciate that moment in my life where he was a very treasured friend of mine. And the other one was Andy Spade. And Andy was one, even though he was crazy and stupid and dating this charismatic girl that has some weird stories. And it wasn't Jamie. Yeah, it was Faith. I tell you, there's some crazy, crazy stories. So he wasn't even really walking with God. But you know what? He had enough character and integrity to actually be my friend. And to help me at a time where I really, really needed a friend. And so he means a lot to me. Just because of that time in my life where no one else called me. No one else even cared about me. They said they did, but they never, they never cared. And so, and that's why I love the fact that even to this day that he and I can serve together in ministry together. Because there's something deep between him and I that really goes beyond uh, a lot with other people. And so I really appreciate him. And I know that if I ever needed him, I could call him and he would be there. So these things are very, very important. It can really shape the rest of your future. All right, so um, real quick, just to close it out, I had you guys write what do you struggle with the most in your relationships. So I want to write a couple of those things up on the board or a few of those things. And there might be a common theme. But what do you struggle the most with in your relationships? Okay. Who else wrote trust? Okay. All right. Who else? What else we got? Keeping God at the center. Okay. So Priority. practicing communication now you will not be sorry I mean that's big yeah okay so put that back with priorities I think that's another one priorities yeah our emotions yes dealing with emotions yes that's hard 
Because for a lot of us, I feel like, man, it's hot in here. I feel like uh, when it comes to our emotions, we tend to let that determine the truth in our life. When that's really not it. It, it, can, it can really give us a, a different perspective that's not biblical. Kind of goes with communication with openness. Okay, good. What was that here? Under accountability, too. Okay, being open. Yep. Compromising. Okay, compromising. Oh, I know that was in here somewhere, didn't we? No, I thought we did. Maybe okay. expectations. Okay. What else we got? Anything else? Jamie? Uh, grace and forgiveness. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Let's understand this somehow later. <laughs> yeah. Pride, but in a sense to where you're so stuck on yourself that even if you are maybe walking with God, you're not tending to that other person's needs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, selfishness would be good. Selfish, self-centeredness. We're just going to do self, because that is a big one. Yeah. Any other ones that don't fit you want to throw up here? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He was just rubbing Carson's arm, so I decided just to throw it in there. All right. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, Rick. Yeah. A short period of time. Yes. And you know, I think uh, I think we can put that under dealing with things the right way. It goes a lot just with trusting God with the relationship. Yeah. You know, Noah and I were just talking about this the other day. Of he's like, why is doing the right thing just so hard? I'm like, yeah, welcome to the club. It's hard. Doing the right thing is hard. It is hard in the moment. But doing things the wrong way is actually harder in the long run. It really, really is. It's better to put the time and effort into doing things right up front than it is to do the easy thing that will actually be very devastating later. That's huge. That's deep. You can chew on that for a while. (laughs) All right. Okay, good. All right, so in the future weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, this relationship with God and mankind. We're going to hit this one first, really establish that one out first. And then we're going to talk about um, a little bit with uh, what does a husband and wife relationship look like and how should that be according to the scriptures? How does that then go into siblings and that parental child relationship a little bit? Um, We're going to hit some friendships. And then we'll be talking about dating, engagement, marriage, and all that stuff. So we've got a full summer ahead of us. It should be fun and exciting. These are a lot of good things. And I tell you what, and for those of you that have taken this, like how many of you have gone through this before? There's been several. Okay. And out of those of you that have taken it before, about a year and a half ago, how many of you are like, yeah, I need to hear it again? Yeah. So this is one of those ones where it's like, man, I'm so glad we do this one so often. And I will tell you, we are way over. I will tell you that I, this, this whole curriculum was, was born out of my mistakes. It really was. So um, I really want you guys to take these things and run with them. And I promise you that if you are willing to take these things and run with them and be humble, that God will, I mean, radically transform your perspective. Yeah, Noah. I was going to say, like, if you're a freshman or you're new and you haven't heard this, this will be my senior year. I've been through a lot of messages through senior high, and this is hands down the most important series we will go through if you're going to succeed in high school. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. And in the future. Future, but I mean, yeah. But high school, it is, absolutely. High school is full of relationships, and 
this is hands down your most important to set a good foundation for you. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. There you go. And no pressure for me. Thanks. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, I am, uh, I'm tired of sweating, so let's pray, and then we can get out of here. And actually, that's a great plug. We're going to Dairy Queen after this. So we can go get some ice cream at Dairy Queen down in Canal Fulton. So if you'd like to join us, you know, go ahead and do that, and it'll be a ton of fun. All right, let's pray. God, thanks for our time that we have together tonight, and thank you for giving it to us. I pray, God, that we would take these things and hide them deep within our heart, and that you would change us completely. Um, God, I want to pray for Mike and for his family. Pray for Josie. Uh, God, I pray you bless them and that you'd help them um, just in their hearts and minds and and um, just give them the right attitudes and the right perspective, especially when they're struggling. And uh, we love them dearly. And thank you so much for what Mike has invested into us with uh, camp. And I pray for the Brown family. It was so great for them to be with us this past weekend. I pray that you would uh, just really help us as we prepare to be with them and to minister to them and to their churches and uh, that you would just really help us to have the right perspective this summer so it can help us to have the right perspective heading into the school year. Thanks for your grace and mercy with us and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.